The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, we have a special guest on the show today, James Herbert of CBS Sports. James has been a feature writer for a very long time. Was kind enough to carve out an entire hour where we delve into the process of writing about the league, how he chooses his subjects, and what he learned from profiling such under-the-radar stars such as Jose Alvarado, Scotty Barnes, to superstars like Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Pascal Siakam. It was a fascinating conversation. I learned a ton. Can't wait to get into it. So do me a favor, my man. Drop that beat. First and foremost, again, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I think you've got one of the funniest feeds on Twitter. Thank you. One of the most... It's a cool feed, right? It's got all this stuff. I, I try to keep up on it, even some things that make it on your feed. I'm like, oh, man, I haven't seen that before. I think NBA Twitter is the best part of Twitter, you know, one of the best at mm-hmm. least. What do you think happens to that community if Twitter goes away? I, I'm terrified. I have no idea. I don't know where I'm going to go to talk about basketball with people who I don't like know personally um i mean i've got like group texts i think like everybody's got i got my work slack and some other stuff like that but like i don't know i don't want to be on like nba reddit all day but maybe i'll have to be maybe i'll have to learn how to use discord i have no idea i don't i never even installed the app um i'm honestly like i'm not sure like i was watching last night everybody was talking about i mean i was watching games and then i was also listening to one of those twitter spaces which had like twenty thousand people on it talking about what might happen generally um people talking about moving to mastodon and all of this stuff that's another thing i've i've yet to try and i'm just thinking like if that's if this is the end that that sucks because like i mean a lot of my professional opportunities have come directly because of twitter i met my wife on nba twitter like that's why i live in brooklyn that's why i'm here like yeah like no fucking this is like yeah like so i don't i mean on the one hand like well, at least like Twitter was around, so that could happen. So maybe it served its purpose for me. But on the other hand, like this actually is meaningful to me. I know it's stupid. I'm mostly just saying dumb stuff and making jokes and whatever. But like it is like genuinely been a huge part of my adult life. 
think I have a love-hate relationship with Twitter because so much of it is toxic. But then when mm-hmm. you realize it could just go away completely, you're like, well, where am I going to make fun of LeBron? Like for lying, like where are the memes going to go? I wonder if we're all sort of feeling that, that I guess it's like a pre-loss, you know, we haven't lost it yet, but we kind of Mm -hmm. feel like we're going to, and we're not really sure how we're going to connect if it does go away. You're one of my favorite feature writers in the NBA. How do you, you. uh, how do you go about picking a subject? Like, could you share some, shed some light on your process of how you write a story? Sure. I mean, part of it is just like if there's a player I find interesting for whatever reason um, and I feel like there's a story to be told that's like a little bit different or I haven't maybe I just don't know that much about the guy or maybe I know some things but I'm curious about other things like I'll then go and start researching and seeing what other people have written and seeing like, is there something I can add to this? Is there something that I don't know? Um, then I'll try to pursue it. A lot of times it's not much more complicated than like, I like watching this player and I think I could do a feature on him well. Um, Like the most recent one I did was Jose Alvarado. And like last year, I think like a lot of people, um, I didn't really know anything about him when he first like got in the Pelicans rotation. Like when I first saw his name, like he wasn't somebody I was paying attention to before the draft. He went undrafted, but I I saw him play. I was like, this guy, like, he plays so freaking hard. Like he is really fun to watch. And then as the season went on, it was like, all right, like this guy is a super fan favorite. He seems like he has an awesome personality. He like clearly has a cool story. And I was just like, I'm, I'm definitely profiling him one day. Like I just kind of like said that to myself, it didn't end up happening last year, but like the Pelicans were like literally the first game on the regular season schedule here in Brooklyn. And I I knew I was just like, I'm going to, request him and try to make it happen and then I'll, I'll go from there and that was that was like sort of a passion project like nobody like I didn't have an editor assigning me a Jose Alvarado story but like I just wanted to write about Jose Alvarado because I like watching him play and I thought there was something to be done there um, other times it, it could just be that like I've watched somebody and I've noticed something about their game that is interesting. And like, they've been written about one way. And I thought, and I think I got to add to it by focusing on something different or like whatever it is. Um, There's a lot of ways you can like start, but I think you like, it has to start from a place of like genuine curiosity. And it has to start from a place of like, I want to do this. Like (laughs) I want, cause if you're going to like do one of these and write like a fairly long one, um, rather than just like, just like bust out a column or whatever, which like I do as well. But if I'm going to invest the time to do a profile, like I want to actually find this person interesting. I don't want it to feel like it's a slog and I'm just doing it cause it's my job. Like these things are hard. Some of them, like last year I wrote a story that went up like right at the end of the regular season, um, on Scotty Barnes. And the first interview I did was like the first week of the season. And it just, it, I didn't think it was going to take that long, but that just kind of happened. And sometimes it is like, sometimes it's literal months. How, how come is it just because you have to, it takes you down a direction and then you have to find sort of a people who would, you know, help shed light on the thing that you're you know delving into. Like for example, with Alvarado, you, you had to speak with Fred Van Fleet or is, is that the reason why, or, or why does the, the writing process take so long? Yeah, well, part of it is probably on me and probably shouldn't take that long in some of these instances where it's taking me like months and months. Um, but 
uh, yeah, usually it's it's related to access. Usually it's related to like I don't think I can tell this story properly without getting like maybe a follow up interview with the player. Or maybe it's an old coach or something that I haven't talked to yet or a teammate that I want to get when the team comes back to town or whatever it is. But usually, yeah, usually it's just like I have like I'll start transcribing my stuff and look at what I got and try to outline it. And I'm like, I'm almost there, but like I need a little bit more. And then the other part of it is sometimes it's just I'm working on multiple things at the same time and I'm busy with other stuff and like the the like not super urgent, not super time se time sensitive profile is the thing that ends up getting pushed back because if I have to like go to a I don't know like go to a Nets practice and write about the latest Kyrie incident, then like that's what I'll do that day instead of like making a phone call about Jose Alvarado or whatever. Right. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, I wanted to kind of mention some of the the articles you wrote that I wanted to hear a little bit more about. Uh, you mentioned the Scotty Barnes article, and that was published on April 8th before he won Rookie of the Year. And you yeah. said, you know, you started working on it the first week of the season. Um, what did you find interesting about him? And and what did you find interesting or memorable that didn't make the piece? Hmm. Like everything is my first answer. Like I was captivated by Scotty Barnes. I was interested in him before the draft because i read a few like that was the other thing is like it was sort of intimidating working on that one so one of the reasons that took a while was i had all these like great long form scotty barnes profiles that like i was competing with like if i was going to put something out there i had to have some stuff that wasn't in the other ones um but i read those stories and i was like this kid is not like a normal um you know depending on when they were written 18 year old 19 year old what whatever it was um kid like he was a guy that was talking about like being a magic johnson fan he was a guy who i mean he was picked fourth in the draft but was coming off the bench for most of the season at florida state and was like happy with it not complaining about it um he was a guy that oftentimes when people were kind of trying to explain why he was viewed so highly despite these like supposed flaws in his game like why okay this guy is not necessarily a one-on-one -on -one scorer yet based on what he's done in college. Um, he's not necessarily ever going to be like a go-to guy and, and whatever. This is like, to be clear, the scouting reports at the time, I think he showed more of that in the NBA, but at the time it was like, but he is so good at everything else and people love him and he wants to make guys better. And people just like you talk to him and you believe in him. Like the, a lot of the reasons for why people thought highly of him, a lot of the reasons for why the Raptors were confident taking him um, and taking him, by the way, when like they knew it was going to be seen by a lot of people as a huge risk, as frankly, the wrong pick. A lot of people immediately said it was the wrong pick, um, but they were betting on the upside and the upside was based on, yeah, he's this like, six, seven, six, eight guy with like a super long 
wingspan and he's like really agile and skilled and all that. But I think more than that, it was the person. It was like, we think he has the super high ceiling and we think he's likely to get there because of who he is. And all of that was like just a little bit different to me. And I just kind of wanted to know more about him. I want to know exactly what, um, you know, his old coaches had to say about what he was like. Um, he had an interesting family story, which didn't end up actually being that big of a part of my story. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, it was a combination. Sometimes I'm drawn more to like the backstory and sometimes I'm drawn more to like the way they play on the court. But for me, it was both for him. Like I remember watching him in the preseason last year and being like, every time he's on the court, the Raptors are more interesting to me. And every time he goes to the bench, I'm a little like, like let's get Scotty back in there. Like part of that was, I think he was new, but part of that was like, he is like a really exciting player to watch. I was just drawn to that guy like immediately. What did you find in your sort of story search process that you found even more interesting than what you had originally thought? I think with Scotty, he had this combination of, let me put this, like he doesn't come off as arrogant. Like he, he talks a lot about, you know, what's best for the team. Just want to do what the coach asks them. Like even in my research, I remember finding like a game winner he had hit at Florida state and he like basically didn't want to give himself any credit for making the game winner. Um, while at the same time, like if you talk to people around him and even if you ask him like direct, like direct questions about his own game, like he has this belief in himself and this confidence that is like, not, <laughs> it's not, it's not humble. It's not, <laughs> it's like, he, believes that he belongs and he always kind of has and I think he's had a vision for himself honestly since he was in high school of like I'm going to get to the NBA and when I get there I'm not going to be just another NBA player um, there's another story that came out after mine that I was jealous of where it was like a list of his like affirmations and goals and like one of them was like I want to be the best player on the court at all times when I'm on the court like one of them was like I want to win rookie of the year and it's like to, to step into a situation like that, where even though like what he's saying, like when he's asked about like, you know, the team and his rookie season, he's like, I just want to fit in. I want to make other guys better. I want everybody to be smiling and having fun and all that. That's all true. But he also believes that like doing it that way, like he can dominate a game that way. And Interesting. I, I think he he is a guy that like, yes, the Raptors have had to like work with him on like being more assertive and aggressive and looking to score because then if you're seen as a huge threat scoring like you can go do the thing you actually want to do which is pass the ball and then rack up a bunch of assists and be a point guard um but at, at the same time as them trying to like make him be more aggressive that way i i don't think that's this thing where he's like looking at this situation kind of like unsure of himself or intimidated or anything like that i think he truly has had a plan and he's like been pretty bold about following that plan and working toward it. Even like the, the way that he approached the, the pre-draft stuff uh, like a year and a half ago um, where he like very clearly like wanted to show teams that he could do a few things that were sort of like seen as knocks on him and show teams like I've gotten better since the end of last year. And you're going to see that if you get in the gym with me. And also like, I have a plan 
for these interviews where you're going to come out of here like loving me and wanting to spend more time with me. And you're going to be texting me after these interviews. And they were like, <laughs> like executives were doing that. Like, I, I think it is who he is. It comes very naturally to him. It's easy for him. But I think also like he's very smart and I, I think he sees the big picture. And I think he is like, you know, he kind of had a blueprint for, for what he wanted to be from a pretty young age. And like, I had absolutely no idea about any of that before I started reporting it.